Well, glory to God. Y'all ready? Okay, well, get your Bibles out and go to Matthew 25, 14, 25, 14. I just want to share a message with you today. I think I'll finish it uh, today, but we'll see. I'm not going to get in a hurry. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost do what he wants to. Woke me up two o'clock this morning. So, I mean, uh, I got skin in the game in this one. So (laughs) y'all going to get it. It's called Influencers. Influencers. All right. So I got to do a little reading here. So it starts in Matthew 25, verse 14. Story Jesus told. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country. So get this. I mean, when you're reading this, listen to what it's saying. The kingdom of heaven is like. Okay. It's not saying it is. It's saying it's like he's giving in. He's telling a story, a parable here, giving an example so that we can understand what is heaven like. So he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug, uh, dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. Now, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and he settled the accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He who had also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. And look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he that had received the one talent came and he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. And look there, you have what's yours. But the Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And they cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, where there should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this story, I mean, you probably know it, you know, you know it. It's a simple story of of what Jesus is doing. But the other day I was, I was going down the road and, and this story jumped into my heart. And, I, and I, the way I heard it in my head <laughs> is he gave them talents, right? And it's coinage, money is what they're talking about. But I got to thinking about talents. All right? And so, you know, like I've always thought that maybe just by chance, I am like a savant in something. And I just haven't picked it up yet. 
So like the first time I came around a fiddle, I grabbed a fiddle, grabbed the bow. I thought maybe I could just play it. Sounded like a dying cat, you know? <laughs> the piano, could I play it? You know, just sit down and not even know, but just be able to play everything, you know? And, and you know, whatever it be in life, every once in a while, I'll just try something because I think maybe, who knows? Maybe I just got a talent for it. I didn't know it, right? So, but I'm not really talking about those talents because all of us would love to have that, wouldn't you? You just uh, sit down and could do it and you'd have to work for it and it just came. You'd have to learn music. You just. So the talents I'm talking about is what's already God given in each and every one of you. Every one of you sitting here this morning, everyone out there watching the broadcast today, you've got to understand something that you have talents within you. You say, hey, I'm not talented anything. I just barely. Hey, you can talk. Huh? You can smile. No, I can't smile. I'm unhappy. I can't smile. Well, we're going to get into that in just a minute. But I'm just telling you, you got a talent. Everybody can smile. Unless you have facial damage and something's wrong and you can't make the muscles move to smile. You can smile, right? You can think. You can be nice. You can say something good to somebody. You can walk up and say, God bless you. Or, Thank you for that. Or, Hey, you can tip a waitress. Hello? Oh, we were at a restaurant here. It's been several months ago. And, and I tipped the waitress. And my wife didn't think I tipped the waitress. And then she tipped the waitress. And I actually ended up paying her more for the tip than the meal. And as I was walking off, I said, oh, well, God bless her, man. She's going to not wonder what in the world is double pay here, you know. So well, whatever. Glory to God. Let her be blessed, Lord. You can do. You, you see what I'm saying? You have abilities. You have talents. God gave each and every one of us free will. He gave you the free will to either use your talents in a good way or to use your talents in a bad way. And I don't mean when I say a bad way, I don't mean you, you know, you like to rob banks. I'm talking about just your grump. Man, y'all kind of air kind of sucked out for a minute when I said that. You know? You got a sharp tongue. You're a quick thinker and you've got a great wit to you, but you use it in a negative way instead of a positive way. We live in a world today that the suicide rate is higher in the United States than it's ever been before. We have teenagers ending their lives because they see no hope. Why do we want to live in a place like this? We got, we got stupid running rampant. We got everything in the world taking place. You got nothing good on the news. I mean, they're just trying to find. I mean, it used to just be some little virus called COVID-19 that might kill you. Now it's the Ruskies with the nuke. Hello? And it just keeps getting worse. And it just keeps, I mean, like, what's the next thing? Godzilla's coming. But as a Christian... Born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, knowing that if you do die, you're going to heaven. Knowing that, that, that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. Knowing that the promises of God are yours. Knowing that, 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 that you sit at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, come on. Knowing that you, you have a rights and authority as a child of God. Knowing that Colossians 1.13, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and you're over into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Knowing these things... As a Christian, you have influence, and what are you doing with your influence? And what I'm trying to get everybody to understand and just keep just, I'm just, you know, got to stay on it because it's easy to get depressed nowadays. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to look at, you know, what's going to happen, and we've got 
this, that, and the other, and this happens. And I mean, you can't keep up with the bad. And so you're, if you're a young person looking to say, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, gosh, what, what does my future look like? It may look bleak, but not if you're a Christian. If you're an old person, you can't just get into that place and start saying, oh, come on back, Jesus, just come get me. I don't know if I'm going to make it. You can't get there. You can't stop doing business. You can't stop doing work. You can't stop. Well, there ain't no sense of going doing nothing else. I mean, heck, Jesus may be back tomorrow, and I don't want to get out there and mow the grass. <laughs> Although I do use that excuse. <laughs> We've been in a drought. I mean, it's just got to let the grass grow. Hello? You can't get there either. You can't give up on life. You can't. No, God called you to be an influencer. And I'm telling you, every one of y'all, everyone sitting here, everyone listening out there, you have an ability to influence people for good if you choose to. It freaks people out. I love to freak people out. It just is a joy of my life to freak people out. And so I love to go in a, in a restaurant, go in a business, go in like that. And I just smile. And I know they're looking at me like, is that guy crazy? I'm just smiling. Hey, how you doing? The other day, this is crazy. I decided I was going to wave to everybody on the road from here to, to Uvalde. I waved at everybody. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, how you doing? And I was shocked at how many people didn't wave back at me. Usually everybody waves at me, and I was like, oh, I had my arm in my But I, I mean, I waved at everybody. I waved at everybody. Hey, how you doing? Got on Highway 90, just waving. I'm, just, I'm going down the road just, just waving, just like a fool in a truck. It don't make any difference. I just felt like I should wave at everybody. I waved at everybody. I greeted everybody down the road. Got over there, walked into places. Oh, man, it was terrible. You know, everywhere I went, they didn't even have what I wanted or something. You know, there was a problem. And I just kept smiling and kept talking and everybody just kept. Man, it was fun. All right. But are you going to be an influencer, an influencer? You're going to use your talent to be an influencer for Jesus, for good, for. And I'm not saying preaching the gospel. OK, let's just let me get this straight. I'm not talking about going in there and saying, you died today. You're going to go to heaven. Or you're going to go to hell. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just being nice. Just being a person that when you walk in the store, everybody says, oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, I'm glad to see him. Not, oh, God. <laughs> Get down this aisle before they come. I don't hope they don't see me. Are y'all with me? What kind of an influence do you want to be? Okay, so Luke twenty-two twenty-nine says, Jesus is speaking. He says, bestow, I, I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one on me. He's talking to the apostles, but he's really talking to each and every one of y'all. Each and every one of y'all have a, a sphere of influence. The people in your family, the people that you, you in your job, your work, your business, whatever you, you, we each have certain spheres of influence. And then we all have things that are overlapping. Right. Because, you know, somebody that I know and then, the, you know, right. So it overlaps. But we all have spheres of influence. You need to, you need today at some point to stop and think about this message I'm preaching. Just do not walk out of the church and say, man, that was a great dog and pony show. Just go out there and think about what is your sphere of influence. OK, your children, <clears throat> family, children, people, business, you start looking, your church, family, other people, people that where you go. Because we're usually creatures of habit. So we, we usually traffic at the same place. You go eat at the same restaurant, you get your guests at the same places. We're, we're creatures of habit, okay? And so you just need to start counting what's your sphere of influence. 
You need to look at it. And then you need to assess yourself. What kind of influence am I making? Don't y'all just hate it when I give you homework? No, you got to. You got to stretch yourself. You got to look. You've got to ask yourself these questions. We live in a world that literally is falling apart. We have got to be the salt and the light in the midst of it. We've got to be the ones that stand up and have a good, good word. And you have a kingdom. You have a sphere of influence. Okay, so. Now you need to know, and I'm going to go into now, what is the biggest obstacles for you using your talents? I want to show you what the obstacles are for you using your talents to be nice. All right? And some of these, are, they're kind of pointed. All right? But it's okay. I got them first. Number one, okay? You have to defeat pride. When I say pride, I'm talking about the fear of looking bad in the eyes of others. If you look up Webster's Dictionary and you look up the word pride, it says a consciousness of one's own dignity. It's being self-aware of, 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 of who you are, like, like, like your worth. There you go. But you know something, as I began to dig into pride and look into pride, I found something out about pride I never really thought about. Look, there may be a spirit of pride, okay? I'm not going to say there's not a demonic spirit of pride. But pride is an emotion. Did you know that? But it's an interesting emotion because it focuses on yourself, but it also focuses on others. So this emotion called pride, you're looking at yourself to see, hey, hey, they ain't, they ain't disrespecting me, are they? And then it's looking at the other person to see, hey, are they respecting me? So it's, it's going both ways, but it's an emotion. And emotions attack your soul. That's where, it's, that's where it's working in your soul. All right? So you got to understand something about the soul. It's made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions, okay? So the problem with the soul is it ain't saved. That's not the redeemed part of you. Yeah, just what he said. You can't, you can't always trust your soul because you could have some damage in there. So people think pride always is just about like, oh, I'm better than you or I, I make more money than you. I'm... I'm more educated than you. I'm, you know, but pride can be the lowest person, the lowest income person in the world can have, can be prideful. Pride is an emotion. Pride attacks you to just, you're trying to hang on to your little island and you're focused inwardly. So therefore you use the emotion of pride to build up walls. Come on. You use, you use pride to, 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 to cope with situations, all right? And so the problem is when you start doing this, it can misguide you. You can use pride as a coping mechanism to try to deal with everything. So you just, you, 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 you're intimidated. You don't want to go in the restaurant. It intimidates you or go into the store. It intimidates you because they make you feel like somebody's going to say, what do you know? You're not anything. Get out of here. And so pride, the spirit of pride, the emotion of pride comes on you and comes in you. You use that to be able to walk in there and say, well, who do you think I am? I'm better than you. I'll whoop you right now. Right? You use it as a coping mechanism. But what people don't understand is they use it as a coping mechanism, but it's not. It's like getting a pet rattlesnake to guard your house. You really can't trust it. Right? I mean, if I went and knocked on your door and heard a rattlesnake rattling, I'd say, whoa, 
I'm not going in there. But then you got to contend with it also. So pride can get you and it can get you in a place where you're if you're not aware of, of, of having pride in your life, if you're not aware of using that emotion, well, then what happens to you is it can get demonically influenced and it becomes a bad thing. And you're not influencing people because you don't talk to anybody because you're scared they're going to say something or you're not going to be able to deal with it. So you don't even smile. You don't say anything. You just want everybody to leave you alone. You want to go sit in the corner with your sunglasses on and don't look at nobody. Now, you see, I got convicted of this because a lot of times I don't want nobody to know who I am. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to sit in that corner chair, my back against the wall, pull my hat down low, keep my sunglasses on because I don't really want to talk to anybody. But when God showed me that I was, com- I was convicted, I was like, wow, I got to start changing my ways. Now, look at this. Pride can also be a coping mechanism to deal with pain, fear, and unmet expectations. Proverbs 16.2. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. Isn't that true? Boy, we always think we're right. Oh, yeah, I do it right. I'm better than anybody. Oh, yeah, I, I'm smarter than everybody. I can do it better than anybody. I'm better at this. I'm better at that. Doesn't make any difference what it is. If it's tiddlywinks, you're still better at it. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. But... The Lord weighs the spirit. In other words, God's sitting there saying, really? Really? You're going to stand up and boast about that? Really? Look at Proverbs 16, 5. Now, this one will get you. Everyone proud in hearts an abomination to the Lord. God doesn't like pride. It says, though they join forces, none will go unpunished. Look at verse 18. I'm in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. All right? So my point is the enemy wants to come in and use the emotion of pride in you to keep you from being who you are in Christ and and using your talents to be a blessing and to be an encourager, to be an influencer in this world today. That's what he wants to do. You're being manipulated by the devil. 1 John 2.16 says, all that the world, for all that the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So in this world we live in, there's a certain amount of pride. Folks, listen to me. No one wants to come in last. When we were kids, the, the, the year I was in elementary school, uh, in Sabinow, they built a new school. And so we had gone half of the year in the old school, and then we moved to the new school, and there were still piles of dirt around out on the playground that never had gotten leveled out. And so what did we do? We played king of the hill. Right? You fight your way to the top of the hill, then you try to push everybody off that's trying to get up there to be on, up on top with you. Folks, we're still today playing king of the hill. As adults, we've not changed much from the playground of elementary school. We still form our cliques. We form our societies. We form our this and that's and the people of like-mindedness. And then they will try to get into it, but we're all still playing king of the hill, trying to keep everybody else down so we can stand on top. Why? So we can feel good about ourselves. That's what we do. So we can feel good about ourselves. I'm on top. I'm the best at this, whatever it may be. Okay. But the problem with this is this is all done 
Because we don't know who we are in Christ. We don't understand what Jesus has done for us and that he has washed me with his blood and he's made me holy and righteous and unblameable. We don't know that as a Christian, it's not about king of the hill. It's about being a servant to all. Jesus got different rules. Jesus got different ways of doing things. The world, you're important when everybody waits on you. But in the kingdom of heaven, you're important when you wait on everybody else. That's why the world doesn't like it, because the world system, this this pride of life tells people you got to get up on top and push everybody else down or you're not successful. When the truth of the matter is, if we know who we are in Christ Jesus, we know that we're blood bought Christians. We know that we're going we're headed to heaven. We know we got a crown. We know we got a robe of righteousness. We know we got us a white horse. Yes, Name Thunderbolt. (laughs) But if you know who you are in Christ, you know you're born again. I know Jesus loves me. Listen to me. I don't know where about y'all. I don't know about y'all. I've been teaching this for 30 years, but I tell you, I don't know about y'all, but I know Jesus loves me, man. I know that when I get to heaven, I'm going to hear a well done, that good and faithful servant. You say, well, yeah, because you're pastor. No. No. Because I got saved 35, 37 years ago, gave my heart to him. And that day, everything was made right between me and him. And that day, everything got set right. And that day, I got free. And that day, I got happy. And that day, I knew that if I died, I was going to heaven. And that day became a glorious day for me. All this rest is, all the rest of the stuff's just the fluff that came afterwards. You got to know who you are in Christ. You got to know what, what, what Jesus has done for you. Then, then all of a sudden, you're not worried about the opinion of man. And so you don't need pride. You don't need pride. Okay? Now, the second thing that you've got to learn to deal with is offenses or offenses. Okay? An offense means the act of displeasing or affronting. And this is out of Webster's. A state of being insulted or morally outraged. Okay, there's one type of offense, you know, like, like the murder of, of children. It's an offense to me. I get offended if you, uh, 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 about abortion. All right? So that's offense. That's one way. But then another offense is when it comes back in with that same, you've put your wall of pride up. You stuck, you were on top of the dirt pile. And somebody came up there and knocked you off. So now you're offended. I mean, folks, that's it. I mean, you you can can psychoanalyze all you want to, but the bottom line is your spirit of pride you were using that was demonic to start out with got touched. And so therefore the next step is I'm offended. I ain't going to talk to them no more. I've had it. That's it. I'm justified. I'm right. Ain't nobody going to tell me I'm wrong, you know, because why? Your spirit of pride got touched. Well, you were already wrong with the spirit of pride. Now, if you look up the word offended, it means a cause to cause difficulty, discomfort or injury to cause dislike, anger or vexation. So what happens to you is you get offended because see what happens. It's the only other defense mechanism in your system, because pride didn't protect you, 
is you have to go to offense to then guard your emotions and guard your soul so you won't be hurt. So when things don't go your way, that's the next step is you throw up offense because we're trying to guard ourselves. The whole time, this is the stupidity of it. We're standing in the middle of the hailstorm trying to dodge them ourselves when Jesus is standing right there saying, why don't you come here under my shadow and let me protect you and let me bless you? Why don't you come over here? Because I promised that I would, I would take care of you. I promised if you'd stay, I'd be right here with you. I promised that I'd put my good right hand upon you. I promised you that goodness and mercy would follow you all the days of your life. I promised you that when the enemy would come in, we'd sit you down at a table and I'd feed you a banquet and let your cups overflow. We were like, no, we can do it. I'm offended. That'll work. But do you know that in Isaiah chapter 8, you can go look at it. It said, it was prophesied that Jesus was going to be an offense. Because in the Bible, offense also means stumbling block. So it was prophesied by Isaiah that Jesus was going to be an offense to Israel because he was going to come up and say, I'm the Messiah. We don't have to go the way of Moses anymore. Let's go this way. And you follow me, get saved, whatever. And then you can go that way. And that was going to be an offense to them, meaning a stumbling block, something they had to get over. I hate to admit things like this, but the other morning I was up and it was early. And then I, I'd gone outside, did my prayer time. I came back in. I was hungry. I was fixing myself some breakfast. And I was kind of just slopping around, had my boots on, just kind of slopping around in the kitchen. And I hung my, just, just my sole of my boot on the stupid little tiny rug. The rug wasn't like there was a log laying in the kitchen. There was a rug. And I tripped. I turned, kind of twisted my ankle and almost fell down over the dumb rug. So you don't have to have a very big stumbling block sometimes to stumble is the point I'm trying to make here. Now, women, do not please love me. And let me get through this, okay? Don't get mad at me. And Husbands, do not use this as a as an excuse not to bless your wife. I have, a, I have something that I always say to myself when something happens, somebody says something ugly to me, somebody says something hurting, cutful, or whatever. I say, don't pick up a fence. But my mind is thinking a fence, not offense. I'm being country here. I say, I ain't going to pick up a fence. Because whenever you start messing around with a wire fence, especially if it's got barbed wire on it, what's it, what's it for? It's to cut you. Hello? Snag you. If you go to messing with a wire fence, it's like, have you ever noticed you can get a roll of stay wire and you can have that thing all called up real nice and you can get it and it just either the end eludes you to where the end is? Hello? Or it, it's going to get flipped around somehow and not want to roll back upright, right? That's the way it is. You just cut it off. Then you end up with 14 ends that you just keep trying to find some stay wire. Well, fences are like that. Fences have a way to grab you. Fences have a, have a way to do that. So this is the funny part is, you know, if you, if you go watch, you go look at Pinterest. <laughs> Carpenter's nightmare is stupid Pinterest. I hate it. That there was anything that should be banned, it should be Pinterest. <laughs> and they've got all these little, 
you know, like it's a little piece of a picket fence. You know, you get the little slats and you paint them white and then you do all the little things to them. And every woman wants a piece of picket fence or a little wire one. And then you do it all like that, you know. And so I don't I, I just dislike them because number one is I don't like making them. Number two, uh, uh, they, you know, if you're dealing with old wood because you always want the picket fence made out of old wood. Well, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get a splinter. Hello. And so anyway, I, I, I kind of detest these little things, but we got them everywhere. And I say nothing. I just build and cut. Anyway, I guess hate's a strong word. I just know I'm going to get hurt. All right? So that has taken me to this whole thing. I don't want to be offended by what anybody else does towards me because I don't want to be hurt. So I always tell myself, don't pick up a fence. Let the fence lay. Leave it sitting right up on the corner. Don't pick up the fence. So my spelling of it is A, fence. <laughs> it's not offense. It's a fence. I don't want to pick up a fence. So there's the deal. You're going to have to learn to deal with people. Because people are crazy. All right? They just are. We all have a line of crazy in us. I don't care who you are. And you can say, I do not. I pray every day. I have my confessions. I am as close to Jesus as you could get. There's your problem. Are you with me? We all got some crazy. All right? We all got some crazy. And uh, we have to learn to deal with people. Now, Jesus, was, Jesus had a solution for us. He had a, a no-fail a, a, a no solution for us. Go to Matthew 22, 37. 22, 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, since you haven't fainted yet, go to 1 Corinthians 13.1. 1 Corinthians 13.1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains. I mean, rem remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now he describes love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not, is not, is not provoked. Here we go. Hold your breath. Thanks no 
evil. Boy, I get them. Last thing I do. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. The one thing Jesus told us that would never fail us was the ability to walk in love. He said, well, pastor, I mean, just hit me in the head with a stick. How am I going to walk in love? People are ugly, do things and hurt me and say this and do that and steal from me and do all that. How am I supposed to walk in love? Well, I want to tell you something. I want you to go to Romans 5, 5. I want to show you. Now, I want you to understand love doesn't mean in this case that, you know, it's ushy gushy and you. We always read this chapter for people getting married and always think it's funny because there ain't nobody thinking about that. Romans 5, 5 says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given us. The love is already in you. You're not having to ask Oh, God, help me to love that person. It's already in you. If you're born again, the Spirit of God on the inside of you, the love is already on the inside of you. It's poured out in your heart by the Holy Ghost. It's just, are you going to let it go out? Are you going to listen to the voice of pride in your life, the the voice of the fence you picked up in your life, Or are you going to listen to the voice of love of the Holy Spirit and you're going to choose to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. You're going to choose to walk the love walk. Because the love walk never fails. Now, I don't know about y'all, but like, see here, this sounds prideful, but I don't like to lose. And if Jesus told me how I can never lose, then I want to know. I want to walk in it. I want to know more about how to walk in love. Because I'm not going to fail. It's going to always have its perfect work. And I want to understand it more. And I have been praying for months and months and months. The Lord gave me a greater understanding of how to walk in love. What what does it really mean? Show me, Lord, and how to understand this. And and it's going to be a message eventually. But right now, I'm just giving you this tidbit. But I I, I just, I want to, because it never fails. Love never fails. But this is the next place I can show you. That the only way you're going to make the love walk work. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, 20. For I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The only way you're going to walk the love walk is you have to crucify the flesh nature. The only way you're going to let the love of God out of you is you have to put pride down, get all your pretty little fences. You see, because I want to be honest with y'all. And like I said, this is kind of touchy because I don't they are cute little decorative things. But in the spirit, have you been collecting fences? And if you decorate them up and then you put people's names on them and that's your fence and you've got the whole thing decorated and you've got offenses, a fences everywhere. Well, until you crucify your flesh and say, Lord, I do not want to do it my way. I don't care that I look like a fool. 
Well, I've done some flesh crucifying in life. God's put me in some awkward situations before where I look like a fool. But when I came out on the other end of it, you know what? Man, bless God. I was stronger and more full of faith and love than I'd ever been before. And all I'm saying to you, church, is it's all, all that I'm preaching to you is possible. You either stay in pride, stay building, picking up fences, right? Stay walking in the flesh and don't use your talents. Oh, yeah, but we got a problem. Oh, yeah, man, I forgot about the story I read at the first of the one who buried his talent. And he got cast into outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I'm not real sure, but I'm pretty sure I don't want to be where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth don't sound like they're serving ice cream later. Right? So he said, well, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to walk a love walk. I don't want to do that. Oh, man. Now you're, now you're, you better go put it in the bank for interest. And I don't even know how you do that. All right? But you better start using your talents to influence people for Jesus or to be a good person to influence people, you know, in that way. Because if you don't, the, uh, the other option, you know, door number three is ugly. Y'all remember that? What was that? The, was that the price is right? What was it? The price is right where they had the doors? Say, let's make a deal. Okay, let's make a deal. I'm aging myself right here, but you know how they'd always do that, and the person would be all so excited, standing in the front, let's make a deal, and they make a deal, and they get in and say, I'll choose door number two, and then open up and be like an old pig back there with a hat on. <laughs> and it's like, whoa. The person's like, oh, I got a pig, you know. Y'all with me? Y'all remember that? It's hilarious. The other guy goes out there, he gets a new car and a trip to wherever. And this person got a pig. You don't want to be that way when Jesus. You don't want to be that way with Jesus. You don't want to end up at the end of life. And folks, listen to me. I'm not trying to be some hellfire and damnation preacher or anything like that. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I want to see y'all blessed. Hello? And I believe that today we sit closer to Jesus coming back than ever before. And my point is, if we, if we look at our talents and look at the obstacles here, the obstacles being pride, picking up offenses, and learn how to deal with people. Well, then, once you get that settled, then you can just go into the store and smile. And if the person behind the counter said, what an idiot, doesn't make any difference. Right? It's like one time I went on an airplane. I've told you this before. And I, I, it, was, you know, it was the middle of the winter, and I had my, my vest on. And, I mean, it was a lot nice vest. It was like a cinch vest or something, you know. It wasn't like half fringe down it or nothing, you know. And, and I had a nice vest on, walking in, went into the, to air, the, the line, had my hat on, had the vest on, you know, just regular clothes. What everybody should wear. Anyway. <laughs> and the girl at the, at the checking in, she said, oh, you're going to a costume party? <laughs> and it was, it was such a blow to me. I, I, I mean, it was like, took me back. I was like, what? Oh, the way you're dressed, I thought you were going to a costume party. And I mean, the, I guarantee the first thing I wasn't thinking about was love. And this was in Texas that this was said to me, flying out of Houston. But you know, they ship people in from up north. 
Won't call any names or anything, you know, but y'all with me? And I mean, I was offended. I just wanted to just punch your lights out. That's what else we do around here. You know, <laughs> these people are insane. You, you're going to, I mean, like I said, I was just walking on, just minding my own business. I was just getting into the airplane. Nobody needed to say that. Y'all with me? And that happens to me a lot here. You know, even somebody will say something to me. I'm like, what? <laughs> just have to, okay, whatever. You got to get out for, over that. It's just going to happen. But dealing with people. And if you love, learn the love walk, you can just say, God bless them, Lord. That's how I learned to quit having road rage. Has anybody gotten, cut me off or whatever like that? I just prayed for them. God bless them. Bless them. Bless them. <laughs> but at least I've seen something positive. Right? And you, you get to learning this. And then, it, then Jesus is the one who heals your soul. He's the one who's your comforter. He's the one who, who, who is, is with you every day. He's the one who's protecting you. He's the one who's saying, look, Robert, I love you. And see, well, the way I look at it is when it's all over with and all the dust settles, I know Jesus is in charge. And he loves me. So I'm not too worried about what other old yo-yo over here thinks. And it's freeing because I crucified my flesh. Yes, Lord. And it's freeing because I don't have to be standing up on top of the hill trying to stay up on top so that I feel important. I just get to enjoy life. Okay? I just get to enjoy life. Now, I have one more. I was going to only do three, but I have four, so I'm going to throw this last one out at you. The last one is real simple. It's Mark 419. It's this parable when Jesus is talking about the sower sows a seed, and, he, and, he, and, and he's talking about the one type of seed. Mark 4.19 says, In the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And one day I was reading that, and the Lord just said this to me, Don't let the glitter of this world, don't let the glitter of this world change the glory of God. And so, folks, I'm just telling you, don't get distracted in life. Don't let all the hoopla, all the stuff going on, what's going to happen? Oh, gosh, do we do this? Do we do that? Oh, man, we better get this. We better go find us some iodine pills. We got to stay focused. Because if you don't realize what's going on around you, and I'm telling you, there is stuff going on around us, then what happens to us is we get distracted, and then you're not thinking about it. And the next thing you know, you're back up on top of the hill. You're back operating in pride and offenses and can't deal with people, and you have forgotten the goodness of God and the love of God that's going to be your victory. Amen? So you all have talents. Everybody say, I got talents. Look at the person beside you and say, you got talents. And we're going to use them. Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bibles up. And it, um, I want to ask everyone to stand up and let my prayer team come down, please. If you're out there and you're watching today, the broadcast or listening to the broadcast and, and, and this message sounds too good to be true. It really is because Jesus said that he, if anybody that would come to him, anybody that come to him could be saved from their sins and from the wrath of God to come. And it's real simple. He said, if you'd confess with your mouth and you'd believe in your heart 
that he's the son of God, that he died on the cross for you? And asking to forgive you, he will. And he will wash you in, your blood, in his blood and cleanse you from your sins. So right out there, wherever you are, you can just call on the name of Jesus and he'll be there for you. If you're in here today, listen to me, and you don't know that if you died, you'd go to heaven. You don't know uh, for sure. That's a terrible place to be living in this day. That's a terrible fear to be having. The Bible says because of the, the, its bondage to the fear of dying and not knowing Jesus. And if, there's no reason to live like that. Jesus loves you. He'll take you just as you are. He'll accept you just as you are. You haven't done anything too bad. The apostle Paul was a murderer and Jesus saved him. And there's no sin that's too great that he won't forgive you. And I want to tell you today, if that's you, if you, if you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to ask him to come into your life first. That's why we've got people up here to pray with. And uh, I, want to, I want to pray in just a minute and dismiss the service, and you can just come up to the front and, and get them to pray with you. And you can find that place of peace in your life. So let me pray over everyone. And... and uh, that God's going to use you this week and use your talents. Amen? So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray over every person here, Lord God, every person listening, watching. I thank you right now, Lord God, that we see the severity of not using our talents for you. And that, Lord, today we commit within our hearts to be the biggest influences for Jesus that we can be to be the people that reach out in this world and reach out in this life and that we put a smile on our face and we put a good word in our, our lips. And Lord God, we don't go around gathering fences. We don't go around, Lord God, walking in the spirit of pride, having to play king of the hill because, Lord, we know that we're secure in you. So I ask you today, O oh Heavenly Father, to bless the people that as they leave this building and go out this week, to, that they will physically feel the tangible presence of God on them all week and be able to share that with others. So Lord, bless them. Lord, keep them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.